0: Do you have somebody in your life who loves books? Somebody
1: who not only loves books, but always wants to share what she's reading with you, thinking that you're just going to love her latest selection? This
0: is foreshadowing in its best. And inevitably, you just can't stand that book that she suggested.
1: That would never happen to us. You are a fibber. We both read a lot. Well, I don't even read, I listen. But we very rarely agree on what constitutes a good read.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah. I I enjoy many books. Some of them build up new worlds, inviting magic and mystery into our lives. Science fiction and fantasy do rule. So do other types of books. But maybe just not this book? Very likely not this book, yeah. (laughs) I listen to a variety, but it's all grounded in reality.
1: You can keep your space operas and elves, and I think you're going to let me keep this book.
0: Well, I mean, let's keep a little mystery alive. Okay. Let's see. Go. Uh, Welcome to our podcast, You're Making Me Read What?, your hosts on this monthly podcast are myself, Jessica, and my colleague, Christine. We're librarians who get a thrill out of a great book, but usually can't stand what the other person is reading.
1: We've each selected some of our all-time favorite books, and each month we'll alternate between the lists with the goal of
0: persuading the other to enjoy a read she would never have picked mm. up on her own, and
1: I may stress never on this mm. one.
0: Even a book that isn't entirely your style <laughs> may have some redeeming qualities to it, right? Right. I guess we'll see. Okay.
1: I feel like I need to say one thing before we start because there's just going to be – when the floodgates open, I'm just going to sit back and get yelled at. So, Yeah. uh So before that happens, I want to remind
0: you. Mm -hmm. Me or me me the person or everyone the listeners? You and both of our listeners. Okay. All the many of them, yes. That – The reason I came upon this
1: book Mm -hmm, was mm -hmm. because I was stalking the reader. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about Richard Brodigan, um, who was a poet and an author. Mm -hmm. Um, And the book that I selected is um, The Abortion and Historical Romance, 1966. And so I just read it the same way that I did The Beaver Believers
0: because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I loved the reader. Mm.
1: He did not disappoint with this book either.
0: Sure. And so— I did not know anything about Richard Brodigan before I read this book. I feel like I need to point out to you that the premise of our podcast is our all-time favorite books. Agreed. Yes. And I
1: totally did not do that. But here, here's why this – I hemmed and hawed about this for several months. Mm-hmm. And I finally decided because when I finished the book, I felt like – oh, my God, I need to talk to somebody about this. I I cannot process this book alone. This Mm -hmm. was so weird. I don't understand what happened, and I need to talk to somebody smart about it. Mm. So that is why I foisted it on you. You're
0: welcome. This is like one of those compliment sandwiches Uh where on the front end you're like, "Um, you're so cool, you like to read books. And then in the middle you're like, you have to read this book. And then the back end you're like, (laughs) hey, great, we get to talk together about this book. But the middle part is not hidden to me that you made me read this book.
1: Yeah. Because you are that smart. I,
0: hmm, nice try. I know. I see what you're
1: doing there. And I brought you chocolate today.
0: <sighs> okay. I think we need to do the spoiler alert.
1: Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about the whole book and yeah,
0: – all of it. All um, the parts of it.
1: So if you don't want to read – you don't want to spoil something, which we might. Yeah. Um, you know, come back later after you've decided not to read it
0: or mm-hmm. read it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to read it. There's so many reasons not to read this <laughs> book. So like Christine mentioned, the title of this book is called The Abortion – Colon mm-hmm. and Historical Romance, 1966. We were actually supposed to record this like a month ago. Mm-hmm. And the way that I work through our podcast is about two days in advance. I go onto the library's website and I put the ebook on hold, or maybe a week in advance, I go put the, the physical book on hold. And uh, imagine my surprise when we did not own this book. <laughs> so it was like two days in advance, and I was like frantic, like Christine, oh no, <laughs> I don't want to pay thirty dollars for advance shipping for this. Can we push it back? So I still had to buy this book. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. And um because oh, now you're gonna burn it. I will not do that. I'm not a book burner, but I will <laughs> donate it someplace far away from my home. So one of the things that Christine will notice as we sit here, normally, I have a page or several pages of notes. Yep, I have no notes. Nope. And the reason for that is I feel like I can open any page here mm-hmm. and say, no, mm-mm, no, thank you. The anger just – It's just – it continues. there. The book itself – so this was published in 1960 – s- No, no, 68, 60-something. Okay. 60 – my version okay. was printed in 66. Okay. Nice.
1: I thought it was 68 or 69. 60-something. But that's okay.
0: Somewhere in there. And it's a very slim novel. It it's is. maybe 180 pages. Um, mine is a very old copy, so, like, the edges of the paper are all red. Mm-hmm. So it looks like someone dipped it in, like, berry juice sure. or blood or something like that. <laughs> um, and it's got that kind of old book smell to it, which I don't mind. Right. But, you know, it's not for everyone. Right. And the cover is very distressing for me. <laughs> I just, already. Already. So, like, I got this book in the mail and I opened it up and I was like, what is happening here? So the cover— oh, of the version that I have uh, is orange, uh-huh. and then the title's at the top, maybe the top quarter of the page, and then the bottom three quarters is like an old black-and-white photograph. Uh-huh. and or it's,
1: contemporary for the book.
0: Sure, contemporary for the book, you're right. And it's a man leaning against a column and a lady leaning against another side of a column, and um, I don't like it. I don't <laughs> like it. I don't like the look in the guy's eye. I don't I – j- it just – it kind of irked me out, the whole thing. Jessica, so the have start you of it. never
1: heard You Can't Judge a Book by its cover? I feel like that's part of Librarianship 101.
0: True. But the guy on here is like, um, you know, like Crosby and Nash. And Stills. Yeah, all that. Vibe, but like not good. <laughs> so that is actually the author. Who? The man. Okay, well, good for him. But I'm still very unhappy about this. <laughs> so before I jump into every how, other page, how mm-hmm. mad I am, Who is this guy? (laughs) I didn't do any research this I did none. I am so sorry. I did no research because I couldn't. I could not. I totally get it. And I I respect it. So while I was rereading this, Mm -hmm.
1: I was thinking, I really don't know which way Jessica's gonna go on this. Because Really? Yeah, because there was enough stuff that I thought you would be like, Yeah, I can't get past that. And I would respect it. Mm -hmm. That's totally fine. But then there's so much other funny stuff. So um he had a very sad life. He he took his own life. Um with a gun uh. um, when he was, I don't know, maybe in his 40s. Okay. Um, but he he suffered. Um, his parents never got married. Mm. Um, his mom went through boyfriends and husbands very quickly. Mm. He never had a stable environment. They were on public assistance for a long time. Okay. Um, and then he had an alcohol problem, um, went through women. Oh, rough life. Awful, and then depression. Yeah. So sure. he had a very, very hard life. He was initially a poet, and then he started writing novels. And I think you can tell the poetry angle be- from his choice of words. And mm-hmm. I do have a few. Okay. Um, I didn't know any of that about him when I read this sure. or listened to it. Um, but it it it's just a super peculiar book. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. so. What I found appealing was mostly just the quirkiness of it. Like, so the premise is this dude, and you never learn his name. He's just the... um, He's just a guy. The author. I mean, the anonymous narrator. Mm -hmm. He works in this library that's unlike any library that anybody's ever seen. Mm -hmm. Um, And people come in, and they deliver the books that they've written. Mm -hmm. And some of them are in crayon, and some of them are embossed on leather. And they're just this weird mix of books that people have written. And he takes them all lovingly and does his best to make people feel welcome, and he writes them in the log, and then he tells the people you can put them anywhere on the shelves, Mm -hmm. and they stay there for an indeterminate amount of time. And then this random dude, Foster, that nobody Mm -hmm. knows anything about him. He's just this weirdo dude who lives in a cave.
0: Always wears T-shirts.
1: Always wears Mm T-shirts and sweats all the time. Yep. Um, He comes with his van, grabs the books, Mm -hmm. and puts them in a cave (laughs) where they are subject to seepage
0: cave seepage yes (laughs) not my favorite part of the story either continue (laughs) so he's like a he's like a porter so he was yes this book is set in san francisco for the first part of at least where the library currently lives yes and it is insinuated that it moves around over time like that the storefront used to be over here and used to be in another country and that it's just like the 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 really slim portion of reality that you see with this kind of moving first edition library. Yes. Yeah. Super weird.
1: And then um, a woman comes in and she's just this knockout beautiful woman who hates her body because it is so beautiful. It's like the Barbie kind of
0: mm-hmm.
1: idealized yeah. American uh, body. And she gets so much attention for it that she just can't handle it. She's only 19 going mm-hmm. on 20. And she hates her body. So her book is about how much she hates her body. Mm -hmm. And somehow, in this one evening when he interacts with her, they strike up a friendship, he makes her feel comfortable with her body, they end up uh, having sex, and then they become partners. Mm -hmm. And then she gets pregnant, and then they decide together that she needs to get an abortion. And and at the time, it was illegal in the United States, so they go to Tijuana
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and then have the procedure.
0: So we had a very different uh, remembrance (laughs) of many of those scenes. So I will agree with you that the start of it was there is this unnamed man who lives in this library. He never – he doesn't have another home. He lives there. He's there all the time. You can ring the doorbell at noon. You can do whatever you need to. Three noon, years he hasn't midnight, left the building. Three years. He's like, yeah. a, he's like a hermit in here. Yes. And so when this girl comes up to his library with this book about how much she hates her body, he offers her a candy bar. Oh, yes, he does. Yes. That's true. He says, come on in. Let me take your book. He does his whole spiel. He offers her a candy bar. And Sherry. And Sherry, because that's a drink that people drink or maybe drink. I don't know. Um, And then there's no real space to eat in the rest of the library, so he takes her back to his bedroom. At her request. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, (laughs) Trust me, listener. It was at her request. It was just a real weird (laughs) predator vibe. Like, you are a young lady who is unhappy with your body. Let me offer you candy and then come back to my bedroom. It was super creepy. And the way that the author described women, oh, hated it, hated really? it. yes. so there's there's an early chapter where he's talking about other people that have come in and drop off books mm-hmm. before he meets Vita. Right. this lady he um, has a relationship with later. And so some of them are like, oh, it's a five-year- old who comes in and they right. drew this book about a flying octopus that's trying to break into a school right. And then there's one section where he's like, oh, there's this young lady, maybe 12 or 13, just blossoming into puberty. Yeah. He's talking about her breasts. Right. Hated that. Yep, And the fact that Vida, at the start of this story, is so uncomfortable in her own body Mm -hmm. that she – Like people run into concrete barriers when they're driving because they cannot stop paying attention to her body so much. He never talks about her intellect or what's interesting about her. He only focuses on how perfect her body is. Right. So he is hyper-focusing on the things that make her uncomfortable. And somehow in this book, she then – his hyper-focus on the thing that already makes her uncomfortable just makes her less uncomfortable now. I could not figure it out.
1: So, okay, I get all of that and I don't disagree with any of it. Yeah. Yeah. the way that it felt to me was that she was so upset by, because her parents seemed to dismiss it. She talks sure. about, I went to the beach and mm-hmm. they made me be in a swimsuit mm-hmm. and all the guys were looking at me and I just couldn't take it anymore. And so then I got dressed and I mm-hmm. walked up and that's when this guy ran himself into a tree and died in my arms. Yep. And the last thing he said was, you're beautiful. Yep. So gross, all gross. Yep. Um and her point was, I'm in someone else's body. Mm-hmm. The, my sister has my body, yep. the body that was made for me. It's tall and slender. doesn't have all these curves. I don't want them. I'm uncomfortable. Yep. And what I took from that was that no one else had ever listened to her. They just dismissed her like, yep. oh, but aren't you lucky? You're so beautiful. Yep. And he actually, from my perspective, especially once they went out in public, they mm-hmm. went to an airport to, to fly to sure. Tijuana. His thing was, oh, my God, everybody Mm -hmm. looks at her like this. And he actually, to (laughs) me, seemed empathetic and like he gave her Mm -hmm. uh, the respect that she deserved about that. And, in fact, one of the things he says, I don't think it's safe to ride in a taxi with Vida because the the taxi driver had his eyes on her in the rearview mirror the whole time. And so I don't think it's worth putting our safety at risk to ride in a taxi with her anymore. I found those little things to be hilarious. Mm. So I'm going to read a couple of them. Go just, for it. Um, I loved that the former librarian quit because he was afraid of children. He thought they were up to something. Mm-hmm. And now he lives accurate. in an old folks home. That's accurate. So I love that. Um, and then there was a five-year-old author named Chuck mm. who brought who brought in one of his yes. books. And this is the part I loved. He had a face that looked like it had been struck by a tornado of freckles. That's cute. And I just love that um, as a— as a kid whose mom used to, after I would come home from the pool, she would sweep my bangs off of my forehead and say, you have seven new freckles today. I can see. <laughs> oh, wait, it's eight. there's an eighth one there. So, um, and then I, I was super confused. I didn't love this, but I was super confused. There was a part in the book where there was just a ton of, I said, and Foster said, mm-hmm. and I said, and Foster said, mm-hmm. and I didn't understand that. Like, it was apparently done for a reason and I didn't understand it. Well,
0: it was just a series of like – was it ellipse? Dot, dot, dot. Oh, got in, it. Okay. In the print book. So I I will say there were certain turns of phrase in there that were fine that I read them and went, like, oh, OK. Mm-hmm. S- did not outweigh any of the other stuff. <laughs> like, yes, the further into the book when they actually leave the library and they're going down to Tijuana, um, he treats her with respect. Mm-hmm. But the premise of how they met mm-hmm. and – I don't know I just I couldn't get past it it was it was weird it was off-putting for me sure and the continued language he used okay so even though you know he's taken her down there they made this joint decision for for what they were going to do down in Tijuana um he's supporting her in that mm-hmm. fine but he's still like all he's talking about even at the end is how pretty she is yeah like, that's true at the end of the so at the end of this book they, they go down there they have the abortion they come back. Uh, somebody else has taken over the library when he's gone, which, <laughs> which is hilarious. It's kind of funny. Um, and then so he moves in with her in her apartment, and so does the porter, Foster. They're all living in this apartment. Right. And the end of the book was so jolting. Yes. So, Agreed. you know, you're reading along, and they get back, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do next, they move in, and they end with like just a page. And the page is okay, uh, Vita, I mm-hmm. said Vita, but Vita. Um, starts working at a topless bar to raise money so that she can go back to school. That's a great synopsis of this story. Uh, Foster, the porter, takes on a different job working at, like, a steel mechanic shop. Right. He's got a new girlfriend. Fine. And then our unknown, unnamed... Narrator. Yeah, narrator. Let's go with that. Um, It sounds like he joined a cult. So (laughs) at the end, he's like, you know what I do with my days now? I go and I set up a table near the fountain downtown near the college, and I watch all the young people come out, which is just a full circle back to when he <laughs> met Vida. I watch all these young people. Go, and I have literature on my table about the was it called? The American oh, – foundation. Yeah, yeah. It's the American It's this weirdo tax shelter that – The American Forever, et cetera, yeah. foundation, which is what ran this magic library he was in. Right. So he's got materials out there, and he's fundraising. Right. But, like, he's just – schmucking around right. with his weird like it sounds like he's in a call I cannot figure it. I don't I don't get it. I don't like it. I was very unhappy very unhappy with this book um, and there were like so the thing I think that was the most interesting to me is the topic of this book is certainly something that could trigger some folks or be yep. a hot button t- button topic. That is not really the premise of this book exactly. um it is a driver for whatever version of a storyline we' yep. say is in here yep. And it allows them to travel outside of their first kind of background location. But that's not like – thematically, that's not what this book is about. Totally agree. This book is kind of a character development for the unknown first name narrator guy. But not really because he doesn't really grow or do anything. I would say it's a character development for Vida because I think she goes from being hating her body Mm -hmm.
1: to – and then I would also argue that she's the aggressor in their relationship because she says – where do you live? Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by this. I want to see your bedroom. And yeah. he's like, wait, what? Yeah. And so she pushes all of this. Yep. And then she sits on his bed. Mm-hmm. And so I think I, the way I took it, and so it didn't creep me out,
0: mm-hmm.
1: was that this was, she was like, I'm willing to take a chance. There's something about this guy that mm-hmm. puts me at ease for whatever yep. reason. And then, but yes, he, was he like everybody else, was all about her physical sure. looks. Um But he put her at ease with the physical looks so much so that she was then went to be a topless dancer, which is super
0: crazy. So so weird. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. I think the part of my kind of dissatisfaction with that relationship was you're right. So she was an aggressor in that. But the same way that like he could see enough of her background, she told him flat out, I don't like my body. I'm very uncomfortable with myself. Here's this whole book I wrote about it. Right. And then as a way to kinda kind of move it along, you know, she's asserting herself. Right. But it's not realistic uh, at no. all. No, well, it's all not. It's not realistic. And it's the same way like you don't take an advantage of someone who's drunk too much. Right. That's right. that's how I felt about this. Got it. Yeah. I could see so that. It just kind of meh uh, meh meh. Yeah. Uh. And then of course there's the title. <laughs> and historical. So I... like if you take out the first part, which again was not really a part of the book other than it was a right. plot driver. I know you have. Ra- uh,
1: I have information. that
0: historical romance. Tell me more about why it is not a historical so, romance. So it could
1: be either, um, but it's whether or not you aspirate the h. And it reminds me of my mm. grandfather used to say what and okay. where, well, which I think of as sort of the same old-fashioned and historical. I I don't think they're in fashion right now, but I think they're still acceptable and Mm -hmm. maybe technically correct. Sure. But there are certain um, H words Mm -hmm. where the H is silent, like hour or herb um, Mm -hmm. or honor, that you do put an in front of. It's just because we do. Oh my God, you're right. Yes. An
0: hour. I've never thought of that out loud before. An herb. Fine.
1: The hour one. I. The hour one. I. (laughs) What about honorable? An honorable discharge. So there it's okay. a mix. Yep. Got it. But but we do aspirate the H in historical, but yeah. it's sort of it's a lazier one. It's not like hotel. Yeah. Where you really a say yeah.
0: the H strongly. I think the thing that threw me on this one is when we're using the word historical, you don't typically see an historical. Yeah. Like right. you're you know, an honorable person, yep. an herb you pick up in your garden. Those ones you don't even think about. It's just right. kind of natural. This one it was just the whole vibe got me all jazzed up on this book.
1: So, my favorite part, I looked this up on a bunch of websites, but my, my, the favorite the an-historic mm-hmm. part. My favorite one came from daily writing tips, and at the end mm-hmm. the woman says, "Follow the style, style guide of your choice," meaning an-historic, a mm-hmm. whichever one. Save your linguistic wrath for things like, "Me and my brother graduated from Georgetown." Boom. So oh my, my I can't eyes help just it. rolled so hard. I know. I know
0: people can't see it, but maybe they could feel the they reverberation heard it. They of my eyelashes. Heard it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's. I just love that. 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 That's rough. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, that was a interesting inclusion it's in today's me. podcast. It's it's me because it of is. my grammar nerd. Uh, you are a grammar nerd. It's okay. We were emailing yesterday about Oxford commas, and I specifically left one out of my sentence about Oxford commas. So I could yell for at you. you to find like a little Easter egg.
1: Oh, like it wasn't
0: just blaring. That uh-huh. was like a bomb going off. Yeah. You're not subtle. It's like a very large Easter egg then, not a very small (laughs) Easter egg. But you're welcome. I know you need to find those things. There's joy in finding the grammatical variations. My heart
1: skipped a beat. It was lovely. Yes. You're welcome. Yes, thank you. Yes. So um, I'm going to say you didn't like this one.
0: I am going to say you're correct. (laughs) Oddly enough, right? Well, Did did you really think I was going to like this? So a lot of it to me is
1: the language – Um, it was very apparent, like how careful we are with language now. Mm -hmm. And I say that as somebody who thinks that it's important to be careful with language. Mm -hmm. But I also have a foot in the camp because of probably my age, where I do remember when we were not as careful with language, and it didn't mean that somebody was being intentionally disrespectful. Mm -hmm. And for example, he uses the term Negro in this book several times. And I worried that that was going to be like Woo, woo-woo, sirens to you that would just make you yeah. but but at the time yeah. that term was not derogatory and it was, you yeah. know, and, and he actually identified as a feminist, mm-hmm. which is funny. And I can see it as a feminist from from the time in which he wrote, mm-hmm. because <clears throat> what he was doing, in my opinion, was validating mm-hmm. society's whole deal with women's looks. And okay. I found that to be interesting. I found it to be farcical, mm. which I thought was. Oh yeah, no, I did not pick funny. up on
0: that, and I, I don't, I, I, don't think he intended it to be farcical. Mm. I think he. Re- so okay, so the back of this book mm-hmm. has a list of his other novels. Mm-hmm. Novel one, Trout Fishing in America. Yes, that's his most famous. Okay, I don't know if it's actually about trout fishing. Or <laughs> right. No, or no, America. I have no information. Number two. A Confederate General from Big Sur. Yes. Number three in Watermelon Sugar. Yeah. And there is a quote on the back of here that just says these books are fun to read. That's that's <laughs> all it says from some other author who wrote these. Um, I I don't know. It's just – it was very off-putting to me. And I don't yeah. know if it is the age thing because we're not that far apart. I think I'm f- 10, 15 years younger than you, but but not, like a, not yeah. that far apart. I, I don't know. The language he chose, even if it was viewed for the context of the 1960s or 17, 1970s, just felt very unnecessarily sexualized. Yeah. And, yeah. and I don't –
1: so I don't disagree with that. I My perspective is that he was doing that intentionally to draw attention to it. Mm. And I also think – you kind of mentioned this initially um, – that the actual abortion procedure is does not – I mean it factors in in the sense that it happens happens, and it's a driver of getting them from one place to another. But it struck me that given that it is such an explosive topic of discussion in the United States right now, that could have been any ecotourism or any medical tourism where Mm -hmm. you go to another country to get a facelift. Mm -hmm. And so it really wasn't about an abortion and yet I was expecting it to be – so that was weird, too, that yep. that he chose that. I think that was intentional to to make you pick it up mm-hmm. and say, what is this going to
0: be? And then it turns out really not to be about that. Maybe. Did <laughs> not change my mind. Thank you, for the, thank you for the good try, though. I will be donating this. To some, someone you hate. To some, no, I will just be donating and maybe it will find <laughs> the right hands. I am not the right hands for this book. Well, Mm-mm.
1: I am very grateful that you read it. I mean, it
0: was a short read. It was. Uh, I think I finished this in maybe two hours, maybe an hour and a half. So, so you've raged about it for longer than you actually suffered i thought about with. it for longer than I read it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would stop reading and I would just look at my husband and i say, what is this? I hate
1: her so much right
0: now. I would never say that, but I did have choice words off this particular microphone. <laughs> Let me tell you what we're reading next month, which is so... Different. <laughs> so different. <laughs> Do tell. So this has been on – this author has been on my list for a while. Um, it actually is one of my all-time favorites. Oh, So cool. getting Thank back you. to format. Yes. Um, so we're reading Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick. And if you've never read anything by him before, which I assume you have not, have not. this one is a series of sor- short stories. OK. So it's a little different format than anything we've done before. So mm-hmm. there should be some different chunks that we can talk about, mm-hmm. um, kind of speculative, kind of sci-fi fascinating been turned into several different iterations of movies and TV shows so you could try and like cheat your way through reading this by watching it but they're all changed just enough oh, I wouldn't yeah some of them are fantastic okay. I'll talk about that later some of them are not but um <laughs> I hope that there's at least one story in there you connect to like have you ever watched um Black Mirror uh, no. on Netflix no okay never mind then I forget you don't like TV you just like to read books <sighs> well you know Black Mirror was going to be a good example. I will pull that in next, next time as well. But I think there will be at least one in here where you're like, huh. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. You don't have to like it. Yeah. But it makes you think. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm all for that. Yeah. So that's my pick for next time.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for joining us on this crazy edition of mm. You're Making Me Read What?
0: Even if this book wasn't your cup of <laughs> tea. There are millions more where that came from.
1: And don't forget, you can always grab these books and lots more at your local library.
0: So please join us next month for a much better book (laughs) when we will be discussing To Android's Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick. Thank you and keep on reading.